1: Hey, I'm Jeff Brown from the Read to Lead podcast. Hey, this is Rob Sperry, author
2: of The Game of Networking.
3: Hey, this is Francesca Moy, the Meetup Queen.
2: And if you want to be a leader. And if you hope to win the game.
3: And if you want to leverage the power of Meetup Groups.
1: You should be listening to Build Your Network. Build Your Network.
3: Build Your Network.
1: My good friend, Travis Chapel.
3: Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I can't wait to share this episode with you. It is another topic episode. So if you're new to the show, this is how this works. Every Monday we do an interview with a top-level expert. And then every Wednesday, we do mashup episodes. So that's when we go in and we pick a topic. My producer goes in, finds a topic that multiple people talk about in past episodes, and then we take 10, 15-minute segments of those episodes and put them into a single episode all talking about a specific topic. So if you're listening to this episode and you you like any of the guests in particular, you like all of them, just just know that all of them have their own full-length episodes you can go back into and search and find if you just go to TravisTravel.com. You can go look at the search tool and search their name and that'll pop up. So today we are featuring Jeff Brown, Rob Sperry, and Francesca Moy. And this is unique ways to expand your network. Jeff is a top podcaster. He was actually my coach when I first got started a couple years ago. We're just all around great dude and uh, super knowledgeable on broadcasting in particular. And then now in the podcasting space, taking his decades of experience in broadcasting into podcasting has really allowed him to build a really high level show called the Read to Lead podcast. So he talks a little bit about that. And then we have Rob Sperry, who um, actually made the majority of his money in network marketing. And now he does a lot of just different education around how to build a network marketing business and how to do it the effective way, the right way, not be spammy, not annoy all your friends and family, not be the person that everybody doesn't want to hear from because they always have something to pitch. So Rob teaches people how to do it the right way. And then we have Francesca Moy, who is the queen of meetups, and she's a a fantastic, fantastic authority when it comes to building profitable meetups. So all three of these different ways to get to expand your network, and that's why we called it the unique ways to expand your network. Can't wait to dive into some of this stuff with you guys. But first, really quickly, if you are wondering how I maintain and build some of the relationships with the people that I have on the show, one huge way is through the power of podcasting. Without a doubt, it is my most strategic and effective networking tool. So if you're running a six or seven figure business and you want to add podcasting to your tool belt as a way to amplify your network and your message, then head over to travischappell.com slash apply to apply for an upcoming opening in my coaching program is only accept a couple people at a time. So I'll talk to you there or I'll catch you in in the Facebook group. And now here is unique ways to expand your network with Jeff Brown, Rob Sperry, and Francesca Moy.
1: Yeah, I do a lot in, in the podcasting space. As, as you know, in fact, I'm, I'm just in the process of uh, our planning stages of kicking off a, a small podcast focused uh, mastermind group of about 10 people that's going to launch in November. Um, and looking forward to that, it's going to involve, uh, retreats and all that kind of things, which would be fun. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, I've, I've hosted the read, to Lead podcast, uh, for a little over four years. And that's probably been apart from marrying my wife, the single smartest decision I ever made, uh, because it has, um, allowed me to do so many of the things that I do, uh, today, uh, not only, uh, coaching others in the podcast space. Uh, but as we'll get into, I'm sure, uh, networking with some pretty amazing people, uh, and allowing me to, to earn a, you know, a decent living. Yeah. When you say smartest decision, that was an interesting
0: word choice to me. Can you kind of expound on what you mean by the smartest decision that (laughs) you've ever
1: made? Yeah. at, At around the time I launched my show, um, I was laid off Uh, From my last uh, radio job, I had already begun planning the podcast and actually had begun working out sort of uh, with my wife on an exit plan where I worked. And my 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 uh, employer didn't know that. Uh, But about six months before I was uh, planning to leave, I got uh, let go as part of a sort of a downsizing phase. There were a few of us that got the axe that day. And I was so thankful when that happened that I had already begun plans for starting a podcast uh, initially just because I needed something to occupy (laughs) my, my time. And I'm glad I, I had that, that when I, when I started putting the ideas for the podcast together, I didn't necessarily have a plan to monetize it in any way. Um, But it became uh, sort of the smartest thing I ever did for a couple of reasons. One is, It allowed me to put myself out there far beyond what my radio job allowed me to do just, you know, across the globe uh, with the way podcasting, you know, allows you to 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 really reach anybody just about anywhere. Um, So there was that. And I was able to to share uh, and and, uh, uh, on a regular basis, my my own thought leadership on on a pretty large uh, platform and you know, I got to as Seth Godin says I, I uh, instead of waiting to be picked, I picked myself. And so uh, that sort of put me on the map in a lot of ways um, uh, in in the leadership space specifically. Uh, and then it allowed me to begin networking with some people that I, I don't think I would have otherwise had the chance to network with. And so um, here, are four years removed from that, four plus years removed from that, um, I can't imagine. That I would be able to be doing the things I'm doing today were it not for the podcast um, so so I, I can't imagine what life would look like yeah this
0: episode of the show is brought to you by indeed we are driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all it's to match and match with Travis, Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need a hire, you need Indeed. And for, for those out there listening that um, they enjoy podcasts as far as listening to them and stuff like that, what would you uh, how would you explain to them? you know, why you chose podcasting as a medium? Was it just because you had a big background in radio or what, what did you see? Cause this is at back in a time, uh, what 2012, 2013 is when you started. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Which is when there weren't a lot of podcasts and there weren't a lot of people listening to podcasts. What, what made you choose that platform?
1: Well, part of it was, um, as you hinted, um, it was a good fit for me having come from, from radio and I had had ideas to, uh, or thoughts about starting a podcast several years before I actually launched one. And I had trouble kind of landing on, you know, what I would do a podcast about. I was like, well, what would people come to me for? What would people listen to me for? Um, yeah, but, but beyond uh, that, uh, I, I, find the, the medium radio and podcasting both uh, audio on demand, if you will, uh, in regard to podcasting to be very intimate. Um, I, I don't know that there is a more intimate form uh, our content can take than when we create audio uh, content. And so I, I've, that's what drew me to radio uh, all those years ago. And I, I think when leveraged well, when leveraged properly, uh, it's one of the fastest ways to build an audience and one of the fastest ways to build trust with that audience. And so um, that. That made a lot of sense to me, um, again, having the radio experience. And so I have found that to be true. As I started a podcast, I was able to grow an audience relatively quickly and and then build trust for that audience, uh, you know, to the point where I I could offer, you know, products or courses or services or um, what have you to that audience uh, who had go- grown to, to trust me and my recommendations, et cetera.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, that leads perfectly into what I kind of want to talk about next, which is, uh, when I tell people that I've started a podcast that I run a podcast and I start talking about, um, some of the podcasters that I follow that are, you know, making a good amount of money off of it. The question I always get is how do you make money off a of podcast? Aren't they free? <laughs> um, and, uh, so this is what you've been doing full time for the past few years. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. Can yeah, you yeah. kind of talk about a couple different ways that you have been able to monetize uh, building and growing a podcast?
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the most natural ways for me in the beginning to do that uh, was through advertising, through sponsorships of the show. Coming from radio again, that that's something that uh, was very, you know, uh, comfortable to me. Now, a lot of folks, a lot of podcasters come to the space and decide, well, you know what? I, I don't want to. I don't want to make my audience the the product and 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 the the advertisers uh, the customer. <laughs> I want my my listeners to be the customer, uh, but I, I don't necessarily believe that that you have to um, uh, forego one for the other, or that you have to minimize or or marginalize one for the other. I think it's possible to have a podcast where you have sponsors, where you have advertisements, and still come to your audience and say, I have things I think you may want to consider spending money on. I think it's possible for both of those to exist. They don't have to be mutually exclusive if if done if done right. And so in the early stages, um, I did, again, the natural thing, and that was to to reach out to potential sponsors and folks who might want to align themselves with the kind of content I was creating, in part because for me and my background, that was the easiest and fastest way to begin earning money and my goal in the in the beginning stages was just to earn back what i was spending right right and just to, just to break even but then as that grew i began to take a step back and do things like surveys and and things of that nature asking my audience you know what can i do for you what problems do you have that i can come yeah. in and help help solve and now taking
0: that into other ways as far as like me- and mentoring. And for those of you listening that don't know, Jeff was my mentor and uh, we worked one-on-one together for uh, three or four months leading up to the launch of, of Build Your Network. And he was helping me every step of the way, um, which is just another way that he's been able to monetize and grow an actual business based on podcasting. And there's I don't know, 400,000 podcasts out there now, but um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the real number is, but I would, I would probably say um, less than 5% of those people can actually make a living doing podcasting full-time. And uh, Jeff has been able to do that, and I have tremendous respect for him for that. Um, Jeff, we talked a little bit on this earlier And we're going to kind of dive into it now. This is obviously Build Your Network, which uh, you know all too well, the theme of Mm -hmm. of the show, um, which is networking, helping people grow their inner circle. Um, We were talking a little bit about this. How has having a podcast enabled you to grow your inner circle personally?
1: Well, you know, it's it's been really amazing when when I launched a podcast and I think interview based podcasts are, are a little more helpful in this regard than some other kind of podcast you might do for the obvious reason that that you're interviewing people and, and making connections that way. People who who otherwise wouldn't be in a position to give you 30 minutes will we'll give you 30 minutes, uh, whether that be, you know, some of those names you mentioned that I've interviewed at the outset of the show or, yeah, I didn't recognize any of those. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who those people, <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk. Who's that? Yeah. John Maxwell. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if I were to, you know, call up their offices and say, Hey, I'm going to be in town. Uh, can I take you to lunch or do you have 30 minutes to spare? The, the, the answer is probably not going to be Yes. But when you have a podcast, that that changes things because now you have a platform and you have a group of people who trust you and like you that you're giving them an opportunity to get in front of. And so it's allowing them to leverage their time a lot more effectively, a lot more uh, smart, smarter. I started to say smartly, but smartly is not a word. <laughs> I don't think a lot, a lot smarter than, than if it's just you and them. And so, right. Um, and, and that's something in the early going, I didn't really think all that much about. I didn't think of podcasting as, as a, as a networking tool necessarily. Right. Uh, but I, I can see how it's, it's really um, worked effectively uh, in in that regard regard mm-hmm. um, and then just from doing it consistently and attempting to to do it well and to try to be better each episode out than I was uh, the last time, I have found draws people to me. Um, I, mm. I think there's a lot to be said for excellence with consistency. Uh, and uh, it goes back to the old, um, I think it was the Steve Martin quote in his book, Born Standing Up. He says, be so good they can't ignore you. Hmm. And so I've tried to do what I do with excellence and and do it consistently. And I think by doing that, you end up getting noticed by other influencers who recommend you and who can um, uh, you know say good things about you. And um, as you do that, more and more people become to believe that you're somebody they should follow and, and should be paying attention to. Yeah, and so important.
0: And that, that was actually something that I didn't really think was going to happen for me either. Even though my entire podcast is about networking and building relationships, it wasn't something that I initially was thinking um, would help grow my inner circle tremendously. But looking back, even these just past three or four months interviewing a lot of people, it definitely has. And like you said, um, I, I, wasn't even asking for some of these influencers. I wasn't even asking for, uh, you know, a, an hour lunch or anything like that. I, I, would come in with a very, very soft ask, um, like, Hey, can I get three or four minutes of your time just on a quick phone call? And, uh, the, I, I would, I would literally get a no back to that. And then, <laughs> um, and then I would say something about my podcast or, um, one of them, uh, Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI. CNN calls him the father of modern networking. So he's obviously a pretty great fit for an interview on my show. Mm. Um, he, he was one I, I reached out to and he was like, you know, I don't have a lot of time. Um, if you if you have a question that you want to ask, you can you can just, you know, type it in this email and, and I'll be happy to to give you a decent response if I can. So I just sent him a quick question because he didn't have time to get on the phone. And then after I sent him that question, he goes, you know, that's a really deep question. Um, It's difficult to answer in just a small email. And then he saw my email signature that said I was the founder and host of Build Your Network. And, uh, he offered at that point to come on the show. So he says, no, you know, two to three minutes of, of dead space time. He doesn't have time for in his schedule, but a 45 minute interview recorded on a podcast to put out to the world is something that was, uh, important enough to put on his schedule. And Mm -hmm. so that was a a side effect that I was definitely, uh, not, not really expecting, (laughs) um, coming, coming into this. Um, sorry, were you going to say something?
1: Uh, I would. Yeah. You know, the same can be said for the listener too. I have found that, that more and more people's attention spans are shrinking. You know, hundred years ago, they were uh, attention spans were about 20 minutes. Today. It's about seven seconds. We're, we're on par with goldfish nowadays. Uh, and so if people are hard pressed to watch your three minute video or read your blog post. It's going to take five minutes, but on the, on the other side of that, they'll give you 30 or 45 minutes listening to your podcast because they can do it while doing something else, which mm. they can't do with those other things. So true. I don't know how many times I have. I just have podcasts playing in the
0: background as <laughs> I go throughout doing, and, and, and I don't give it my full attention all the time. What's up, everybody? Just want to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite new podcasting app, Himalaya. If you are not listening to podcasts on this app, you are definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your App Store or Google Play Store, download Himalaya today, and then thank me later. For somebody out there that's, that's sitting there going, you know what? Uh, I have to admit I'm more of a matcher, you know, like just naturally I'm, I'm kind of a matcher just in, in my head. That's just the way that it works. If somebody does something for me, I'll do something for them. I typically don't give, but I'm trying to get better at it. Are there any practical tips that you would give to that person on, on how to just be more of a giver um, rather than always looking to try to get something in return for what they do?
2: Yeah. So one of my business partners, he said that he felt like he was a little bit more of a taker and then He's become a matcher as him and him and I have done a lot of business for the last ten years together, and, and we're a good match because we see things from different eyes, different perspectives. And I'm I am a lot more of an ambitious giver. I always have been. That's just more of just I don't know. I think it's just I think a lot of things is just how we're born and our natural tendencies, and we all have strengths and we all have different weaknesses. But I would say probably the best way to become an ambitious giver is to gain a greater perspective. If you can start to look at even some of those examples I just gave you where I didn't assume, I didn't think I would get anything from any of those people that I just mentioned, nothing in return like like I really got. And even going back to the $30 million earner, what the real story is, is his wife had scleroderma. So they had to fly out to China. And when they flew out to China, He wanted his 16-year-old to still have discipline as his parents were gonna be gone for six months and then his mom was maybe going to die. Luckily, she did not. But I went swimming with him at 5.30 in the morning three times a week. This is before he mentored me. This is when I had nothing I ever knew I was gonna get in return. It was because he asked if I would help because his son looked up to me as, as a role model. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to help you. So that came back full force, and it came back way more than what I gave. And I can give countless examples. And so if you can have that type of perspective, just think of it as as you're making a deposit in a bank. And a lot of times you make deposit, 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 deposit. And sometimes when we're matchers, we're thinking, I'm going to make a deposit and then a withdrawal, deposit, withdrawal. But if you think that way from a bank account standpoint, you start getting excited of – deposit, 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 and then all of a sudden, when something happens, and you really need to take a withdrawal, you've made so many deposits, your bank account is so filthy rich, that if you need to take a withdrawal, it's pretty easy to do so. I helped Hmm. a company raise a lot of money recently, and I made so many deposits with a particular individual. I called this an individual up and I and I let this individual know that I needed about a million dollars. And this individual literally did no due diligence and said, okay, great, if you're involved and if you sign off on it, then absolutely I'll invest a million dollars. But that was years and years and years of deposits. And right. so if you can have that perspective, in a sense, you're still you're still a matcher um, because you're gonna get everything you want. You're actually gonna get more.
0: Yeah but yeah. it's
2: a different perspective going about it. It's not instant. It can be much later and it's going to be much much more.
0: With, with networking being like we were talking about before, Rob, one of the keys uh to life and and not just uh financial uh success but also happiness and and relationships with people. Why do you think that so many people fail at at, at doing it, at on purpose building their network?
2: Because people are fixated on a world of instant gratification. And because of that, it would be like reading, I don't care what religion anyone is, reading Noah and the Noah's Ark story in the Bible. And when you look at that analogy, the best time to build your ark is when the storm hasn't hit yet. You're prepared. The problem is is whether someone's getting a job or whether they're doing network marketing, or whether whatever they're doing, they're so fixated on what's my immediate return right now. And if they can't see that return on their investment right now, then what happens is, is they move on. So all of a sudden a storm comes, and now their arc isn't built because they were so fixated on just right now, right this second, what's going to give me that return. And and I think that, again, it goes back to that mindset and perspective of really, really just making sure you understand. It. I've got friends that, you know, I've helped get jobs. And, and one of my closest friends, I helped him get his his dream job. And, yes, I had a lot of connections, luckily, and he was also very good, so it was a good fit. But at the same time, what has he done since he's had that job for four years? He hasn't gone out and done what I told him to do. I told him to go to lunch at least once a week with somebody in his industry and just continually network. So yes, he's got a dream job, but what happens if somehow he gets laid off or mm. fired? Now, I mean, his skill sets increased, but at the same time, it, he's he's screwing up. Otherwise, right. he wouldn't have to worry. That's your best insurance policy. It's not your degree. It's not, it's not your current job. It's not... Anything except for really your network. That is your best insurance policy. It's not even money in the bank because that can run out. It is your network. That is your best insurance policy. It's not the government. Government's not going to bail you out. Hmm. It is your network.
0: So, so, so important. Throughout your career, we kind of touched on this a little bit too, Rob, but I, I kind of want to dig into more the paid side to see uh, what you think about this. How important have mentorships and masterminds been for you? And have you ever paid to be a part of anything like that?
2: Absolutely. I think that a lot of times when people pay, it creates this commitment, it makes so them true. more serious, right? And so. so- true. I know it is for me when I go to the gym, sometimes the supplements I buy, I don't even know if they do anything. But the <laughs> fact that I bought them yeah. makes me work out a little bit harder and a little bit longer and makes makes me feel like, okay, I got to step up my game, right? Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. I think just that in and of itself. And then I think the second part is, yeah, obviously, if you're part of the right course, the the right mastermind, there's just some sort of synergy. There's some mm. sort of just... It just makes a difference. It's it's like I said at the beginning, I was I was always taught, go find someone who has what you want and listen to them and do what they tell you to do. Well, people know that and it's crazy. People are willing to go spend whatever it is, they're willing to go spend four hundred dollars a month on coffee, mm-hmm. but then if they have to join any sort of mastermind that costs whatever right there's different costs all right, over right. they're freaking out saying yeah i'm not sure if i can i can afford that and it's like look you can go buy 10 times more coffee if you go get the right mastermind session and you can go do what you want when you want but people here here's, here's an example i'll give or, or the best way to describe it people aren't willing to give up what they like for what they love they're so stuck on what they like hmm that they end up losing sight of what they love. So let me give you an example. I like watching TV. I love hanging out with my family and doing whatever I want, whenever I want. I like watching movies, but I love being able to just, you know, take off the day if I want to, right? And Mm -hmm. going and helping a neighbor, move if that's what I'm going to do for service. And so people are so stuck on they want their likes and their loves, and they end up sacrificing their loves, because they can't give up their likes.
0: Mm. So true. So true. And I think a lot of times it it comes down to the fact that sometimes what we like to do is probably a little bit easier to achieve than what we love to do. And there's uh, less sacrifices to be made for what we like rather than uh, the sacrifices that have to be made for doing the things that we love and uh such an important insight. Um Rob, you you run a really large Facebook group that's that I'm actually a part of. Do you have any tips for networking connecting with others in those groups?
2: Yeah, so I started a group called The Game of Networking and in that group I really just wanted to have a group that had no spam. I wanted to have a group that could focus just on value and in that group, there's, there's questions every day that are posed that, that are great questions. Some are specific to network marketing. Some are just specific to networking in general. And I think, again, that's what we go back to. This one's free, but it goes back to when you ask the question of the value of masterminding, masterminding. And when you have that, In there, it's great because now someone asks a specific question. I'm learning. I started the group and I'm learning as much more than anyone because I'm probably on it the most. And so people pose different questions every single day and ask different things, and we get to learn from each other. I mean, I, I get to post so much value on what I learned from social media, but I've learned the most because there's so many other experts on social media that have given tips on how do you truly network via social media and so it's it's been a lot of fun utilizing something where it's just pure value and it's not a pitch fest.
0: Right, right, right. That's probably the biggest thing that I, that I like about, about groups is most admins do a pretty good job at making sure the spam stays out. And so um, that's one thing I really appreciate about, about your group as well is that there's just always a lot of value coming in and going out and coming in and going out. And so um, if you are listening to this and you're looking for a new Facebook group to join, I highly recommend checking out Rob's The Game of Networking. The meetup queen, where did that come from? Why are you the meetup queen, Francesca?
3: Well, Travis, that's crazy. Four years ago, I had no idea how to do business. I had no idea, well, five years ago nearly now, um, no idea how to get myself out there. And then all of a sudden, I noticed that all the organizers and speakers were getting most attention at networking events. So I thought, shut up. Why am I a follower? I should be a leader. So I created my own meetup group. And in literally four months, I started meetup groups in, in all the major cities in, in Australia. And now I've got over 12,000 members throughout my meetups and people start to call me, oh, you've got meetups everywhere. You're the meetup queen. I'm like, oh, I can definitely market that. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the meetup queen, at what point did you write that first book?
3: After a uh, Probably 18 months from teaching people how to run their own meetup because obviously of of my success, I met someone that said, "Why haven't you written a book?" And I'm like, "Me? I can't even speak English properly. How am I going to write a book?" (laughs) (laughs) And they said, "You know, you need that for credibility." And and it was true. You know, people were taking me not as seriously because obviously my age and because of you know my accent. And uh, but probably that was more a reflection of what I was feeling like. Hmm. So the book got me that confidence and. you know, I'm not just the meetup queen. I'm not just running a networking event. I'm actually building an impact in the business world. So I was like, okay, maybe I should write a book. But honestly, until I got the book in my hands, I didn't feel I was an author. Like I didn't, I didn't, I still don't think I feel an author. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah.
0: And I love, love, love the title of your book. What is that title, Francesca?
3: Follow me. Shut up and build your network.
0: Shut up and build your network.
3: <laughs> I it's shut up in a very loving way with a lot of you and t's, so people don't get offended. <laughs> it, you know, Travers. A lot of people come to me and they want the magic pill on how to put uh, fill that event, and we call it put bums on seats at the workshops. And and I say well, I don't have a magic pill. You just have to shut up and build your network. That's how you get bums and seats. That's how you get people to see you and see you as an expert. So then they want to come to your workshop. That's something that I've noticed a lot of people want the magic pill and I don't have that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to know when you start your meetups, what exactly is the topic of the meetup? I assume you're talking about like meetup.com, right? Yeah. Okay. So when you start the meetup online, what is like the topic that you say you're going to be covering or that everybody's going to connect over? What does that look like?
3: Yeah. So my first meetup group was called Personal Development Brisbane. So it was a local community for me to hang out with people that were doing personal development like me. And uh, I was noticing that people were going to a lot of courses and then going back to everyday live and surround themselves with very negative people Mm -hmm. and i wanted to create a community to support people throughout after the you know amazing seminars they were going to so my first topics were around personal development which is my biggest passion i say our business is a 3d printout of our thoughts
0: okay Awesome.
3: Because I do believe that everything starts from the mind. But then I was struggling to maintain uh, consistency in that group because a lot of people were in nine to five jobs and and were not as committed. So then I started to do a group, different group called entrepreneurs abundance mindset which you will merge the mindset side of it which I love and the entrepreneurial aspect and that would actually went crazy everyone will come along to that because obviously there was something in it for them Gotcha, they could gotcha. business. It was a networking. So what I suggest is that if you start a meetup, make it around networking and then get an expert to cover expertise that you don't have. Like, you know, if, if it's sales or marketing or whatever you don't know, so you can add value to the group and the organizer keep talking about what they're experts in. So I used to talk about mindset all the time until then I started to, become what an expert in Facebook and meetup. And that's how I started to merge my mindset stuff and my marketing strategy.
0: So when you started the meetups and they became successful, you started getting people, you started putting bums in seats to use your phrase. Yes. At what point did you start monetizing? I know that meetups aren't really like a monetized thing, but you can eventually yeah. get to that point. What did that look like? And how did you start that initial monetization effort?
3: Yeah. So what happened in my meetups is that I wasn't selling at all, especially the first couple of meetups. I wasn't even speaking. I was not a speaker and I was very afraid of speaking in public. So what I did is that I started to you know, have present and introduce my coaches or the people that were speaking. And at the end of the night, my clients, the people attending would say, hey, Francesca, what happened? Like, why don't you speak? We want to know more about you. And I was like, really? Me? Why would you want to hear from me? And so I started to add a 15, one, five, 15 minutes presentation about my topic and what I was passionate about. Mm. And that's how people started to talk about my they call it my 15 minutes of magic and i'm like oh wow i've got magic to share mm-hmm. and from there people start to follow me on facebook and from my videos on facebook then they will message me and say "Can I please be your client and i was like okay so what's happening is that they come to my meetup they build trust they follow me online and then they, i must build enough trust online for them people to act and and to take action and to become my clients So I've noticed that my strategy is offline and online. So I use the offline to look famous online and then online, I keep giving value until people go, I need to work with you
0: got it got it so when you're starting if somebody's listening right now and they're like I really want to yes. start one of these meetups I'm getting really excited about this when they first start that it should be based around networking maybe for entrepreneurs and then bring in guest speakers that speak once a month at the meetups yes. and then start plugging yourself as one of those speakers or what how does that look yes
3: Yes, so you'll be one of the speakers of the night in 15 minutes and then you will have a main speaker, which is like 20 minutes. But obviously you take a selfie of the night, you Mm -hmm. take a lot of photos and then you post them on Facebook and you use those photos to look like a leader, to show people that you have a community, to show people that you have a tribe. Mm -hmm. And nowadays in our brain, when we see a leader, someone speaking with a group of people behind consistently, Mm -hmm. we assume that they are successful.
0: Okay. Okay. I got it. So how many times were you guys meeting up or how many times do you meet up with a lot of your meetup groups now? Like as far as frequency, like on a monthly, weekly, yearly, how does that look?
3: When I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. So I was doing a meetup every 10 days by myself. I know. I don't know how I did it. I did that for probably eight to 10 months and then I burned out and then I was like, there must be a better way. But Every time I would spread them out, I would lose that momentum and I couldn't get bumps and seats until I found I had to find a better strategy because I couldn't do that anymore. So then I realized that if I had a date already set up, an event already set up for, uh for example, tonight's event. I will go tonight, knowing that I will start to promote the next event in a month's time. So I would say, guys, next time that we're meeting is in on the 22nd of April. Make sure that you get your spots now. We've got 10 free ticket right now. Go, the first 10 people that go on Meetup will get it, and so there will be a rush of people going through, and then the first 10 ticket will go. And I say, oh, come on, I'll add another 10, and at that way. I I would have already, before I even announced it to the public, I would have 20 people going to the next event. And that will create the momentum. I call it the sheep effect mm, <laughs> because gotcha. everyone else stays at home when not only I missed tonight event, but next one is already nearly fully booked. I need to get my tickets and those people will pay the $10. And that's how I will start to get the momentum. So I didn't have to advertise it as much. And I didn't lose you know i just i found a solution to my problem of you know running too many meetups so i would recommend do not run a meetup every 10 days okay one a month is enough
0: yeah so i was gonna ask you if that was something looking back that you think was crucial to helping you get started like when you didn't have the name that you have now and somebody's looking to do this like starting from scratch like you did so you would say don't do the every 10 day meetup thing like no, you did you don't need to it. okay
3: no no gotcha. no don't need to don't need to because you burn out and then you probably burn out also the followers because you promote way too much and it's not needed. So yeah, one every every one every one month or sometimes I say, you know, I've one every, between three weeks to six weeks, but then every, every, all my clients after six months, they've been running it. They are so successful. That they don't have time to run that many. So I suggest to just spread them out to one every two months because you don't need to run them as often because then you'll start to get speaking gigs.
0: Okay. Okay,
3: and then you start to go and speak in other people, so you still look famous without
0: having to run your own event gotcha gotcha man there's so much value there and there's so i love so much of this francesca because it is that grassroots marketing that face-to-face like hustle and grind that a lot of people want to skip out on like you said they're looking for that magic pill they want to hear
1: yeah
0: how do i do that but without the work (laughs) you know it's like well they they kind of go hand in hand they're they're kind of synonymous (laughs) Yeah, results and work kind of are like that you got to do both like you got to have that so i wanted to take a deep dive into that because I wanted to hear what it really takes to get something like that going and man I love so much of that
3: also Travis if I can add in there the main reason absolutely you need to work hard but also you get to hang out with your potential clients do you get to meet them face to face and ask them the question that you always people wonder about I mean, the amount of people that come to me and say, I don't know what my clients want from me. And I said, that's because you haven't been in front of them. You haven't hang out with them. You haven't had a dinner with your clients, like organize a meetup and organize a dinner and ask them questions because yeah. that's gold, you know, be able to get to know your clients is the biggest thing in marketing because if you don't know who you're talking to, they're not going to resonate.
0: Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. Also, if you have not yet registered for my live event out here at Top Golf behind MGM in Las Vegas this coming November, then you're going to want to head to buildyournetworklive.com to do that right away. Seating is extremely limited. So you need to act fast on this head to buildyournetworklive.com to grab your ticket today. Trust me, you are going to want to be a part of this inaugural live event so that in 10 years from now, you can brag about being one of the founding members. Plus, you know me, I promise I will over deliver on value and make it worth way more than you are going to invest to get here. So have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.